Space, The Final Frontier. These are the episodes of the podcast Expounded Universe. It's continuing mission to explore that one time they met the X-Men, to seek out new jokes and new observations, to boldly read the prologue and the first two chapters. It's time to get into the Uncanny Expounded Universe. That's right. It's the discussion podcast where we read Star Trek The Next Generation meets X-Men, and only that, forever (laughs) and ever. Oh, good. So it's this, and that's it, because you said Next Generation, so we can't even read the comic books where they meet the original series? Exactly. Ugh. Why did I give you the reins? Yes, that's right. Why do you start all your podcasts with the word and? And it's time. <laughs> You're killing me. Anyway, you should probably introduce us. Anyway, uh, if this is your first time showing up here, then I'm John and over there is Jeff. Hey, they might be. This is a new kind of podcast now. It's a new kind of podcast. It's a new day. It's little. Yes, it is. Yellow, different, and it's all about X-Men and Star Trek. Indeed. Uh, so what we are doing, uh, if you're used to the show, you know that normally we, reviewed ex- we review expanded universe Star Wars novels. Yes. Uh, one by one, whether they be set in very olden days with zombies or 25 years after the Battle of Yavin, we cover it all. But uh, John has been threatening since the very first of days. Oh, since the beginning. Since chapter one, episode one of Shadows of the Empire, he's been saying, if you ever let me have control <laughs> of the book, book selection for even a second... I will make it be this Star Trek, the next generation, X-Men, Planet X crossover fan fiction book written by Michael Jan Friedman. That's right. In a heartbeat. Oh, your concentration slipped for the barest moment, and I grabbed those reins. I faltered. I faltered it for just a brief instant, and I looked back, and when I was a pillar of salt, it was then he struck. <laughs> and now you're little bits of salt. Yeah, well, I was just, you know, I was already had a really high sodium count. I don't live a healthy life. <laughs> what I'm saying is... I'm mostly salt at this point. <laughs> I'm like the dead seas of people. I'm so salty. <laughs> so salty indeed. It's like I'm playing League of Legends over here. <laughs> I don't even understand that reference. <laughs> Video games. I don't play the MOBAs. <laughs> I play the Moombas if you want to talk about Final Fantasy VIII. Ooh, I play the Roombas. Ooh, yeah, those are a fun game to play. You, I mean, have you ever actually seen a Roomba in action for a long period of time? Yeah, you start playing that same game you play with the screen sa- like the uh, oh, old yeah. screensaver. You're like, oh, is that is that room going to hit the exact corner? Come on, get there, get there. <laughs> oh, it hit both corners. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, John, why don't you uh, why don't you lead us on this one because this is this is your God given choice <laughs> by me, your God given choice that I gave you. <laughs> For I am God. I make no such claim. It is you who have said it is so. Uh, So we're going to start out with, uh, this book has a prologue and an epilogue, but the prologue for this is neither the next-gen people or the X-Men. Instead, we are on the titular planet X, and we are going to follow Arid Sovar on his journey of self-discovery and not masturbatory either yeah no it's uh it's self-discovery of kind of like a spiritual kind and not a crank yanking kind yeah he's not making 
puppet based <laughs> crank calls. <laughs> you know what? For a brief shining moment of joy, I uh, I almost forgot that Comedy Central show existed, <laughs> like I do with every Comedy Central show. Uh, so Aaron is on his way to the sacred grounds where there's a bunch of rocks and stuff, and he's going to sit up there and become a new person. This is their... Very next generation. Well, this is their rite of passage for these people, is you go sit on a rock and sing. Mm-hmm. And then you do that all night, and the next morning you'll you'll have become a... A new a, person. A new person or an adult or whatever. Crodman Dune, that's another one that you've forgotten about, haven't you? What? Uh, Comedy Central shows that you have definitely for sure forgot never existed. I don't know that I ever knew it existed. <laughs> it was uh, a fantasy joke show in the same uh, vein as like Gallivant, but without the songs. What was it called? Crod Mandoon. Crod Mandoon. Never heard of it. You also got That's My President. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't that know. That one I remember. More of them. That mon- <laughs> Others. U- ugly Americans. That one, uh-huh. I think that one might have even gotten two seasons. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's, uh, maybe it's because this book was very stilted and really feels like it's going to be a fanfic all the way through. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like the prologue is probably the best writing because the second they get a hold of any known characters, they're like, ooh, baby, it's my turn now. To, to the credit of the author, even the the prologue, which is about a, a kid, like a young adult going through a journey of self-discovery, is very TNG style. Yeah, which is good. I mean, he's right. The writing is good enough that you can almost feel his loose-fitting carpet sample shirt that everyone. Oh, every... for sure, he was wearing <laughs> some shirt that sort of looked like a bathrobe mm-hmm. and was open along the chest. Yeah. He had some manner of like khaki pants yeah, that were Ill, a little too tight. Ill-fitting khaki pants that kind of look like they bag in the butt, but are too tight everywhere else. Yeah, 80s style, late 80s style, sensitive hair or a sensible haircut. You, you know exactly what this guy looks like. Probably has some crap glued to his face. Yeah, he's got purple blood, apparently, so I assume he's got some sort of weird thing that makes him not look exactly human. And they mentioned that his skin is a rich bronze, yes. uh, which I have to assume means that he's just sort of a cool POC type dude, and not that he's like got magic Literally bronze. alien skin. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing you can get in stuff like the books for Star Trek, is they can be like, and now we meet. Oh, alien race you've never seen before. And they look way better than we'd be able to do on the show. I, it's funny that they don't seem to have tried to bother. This guy's still a guy. Like, he's, like, got legs that he can sit in cross-legged position and and uh, arms and legs. And uh, he's just normally bipedal and everything. Uh, there are some Star Wars novels that pull that move where they're like, and then there's, they all meet, like, a sentient caterpillar who goes on an adventure with them. And you're like, you know what? In Star Trek shows, they can't afford that shit. No. The closest they ever get is, like, in Star Trek, it's usually just floating clouds of things. Oh, yeah. You get fart gods, and yeah. then you get, I get people with crap on their face. Trills, I think, it might be the closest you get to something interesting. Yeah, you get or, little worms. Or you get people making references to interesting-looking things that you'll never actually see. <laughs> like, in the whole... There's a whole thing in DS9 where Jadzia dates... Until she marries Worf, Jadzia spends all of her time dating random aliens that no one ever gets to see. Yeah. They're like the... the Oh, gosh. What's her name? What's uh, what's Niles' wife? Uh, Maris? Maris. They're like the Maris of DS9. Especially this dude who's like Captain something or other who has a transparent skull. Yes. They just go on and on. I'm like, who cares if he, does he have transparent skin, too? That's really important. <laughs> Otherwise, his transparent skull is irrelevant, and I don't know why you guys keep harping on it. <laughs> I could see right through his skull if that skin wasn't there. <laughs> and that musculature, that hair. <laughs> 
Uh, so Arid Sovar is out here, and he's telling all his friends, I'm going to go do this ritual thing, and when I come back, why, you're not even going to recognize me. I'll be a whole different person. Apparently, humility does not play into their whole uh, personal ri- change ritual. because he's- foreshadowing really does, because <laughs> he's just like, you dickshits don't even know how to do this rite of passage. I'm going to come out of there so crazy changed that you won't even know who I am. I'm the best at this particular ancient religious ritual. And for them, the rite of passage apparently happens at about 22 years old. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what he's going. I don't know if it's weird years for that planet, or if they just wait a while for that, or if maybe their species ma- only gets puberty at twenty-two. Whatever maybe it happens to be, he could be marrying into like the local equivalent of a Catholic family, and he has to go through a late period catechism. <laughs> Even then, that'd be weird to be bragging about that. Oh, I'm going to be the fucking best at catechism. <laughs> I hope there's a saint best at this because that's going to be the one I choose. Actually, there is Saint Best at this. Oh, good. This is the patron saint. It's sucking dick. Oh, good. Because I'm going to be the best at it. Yeah. Whatever I set out to do. Uh, so, yeah, he goes and sits on some rocks, and their whole thing is you got to sit there and sing all night, and there's a song that will come to you, and mm-hmm. by singing it, you will contact the spirits, and then the true you will be revealed. Yep, so he, he has to go to an empty, kind of boring scrubland plane, it describes it as, which exactly sounds like the kind of thing that they could do on budget with a TNG episode. Oh, yeah, they're like, and then they showed up somewhere in some scrubland California. <laughs> Where there was a pile of convenient rocks. and so he had to- Convenient, definitely styrofoam rocks. <laughs> With a ladder on the side. And he goes up there and he sits cross-legged and he sits until a song comes to him. And then he's like, down by the bay. Down where the watermelons grow. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm a, I'm a dad of a one-year-old, so. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <sighs> that song makes me sad, John. Why? Because why does he want... I mean, his mom's just going to ask him an innocuous, weird question. Then he's like, I don't want to go home. What if my mom asks if, if, asks if I've seen a goat in a boat? See, but that's the thing, is the whole song is just about I know, uh, uh, a, a man's inability to deal with his mother's dementia, and he does not want to go home because his mother is going to have an episode. Exactly. That's why the song makes me sad. See, it's see, so it, sad. It's so sad, and, and yet it's presented as this children's song where you're just supposed to be like, oh, yeah, well... I don't, if I go home, my mom will ask me a wacky question. I'm like, well, okay, either that's not a big deal and you're being weirdly overreactive about your parents, or this is the saddest song. <laughs> this is the saddest song. It is just nine word long. I didn't stop to count those words. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Arid Sovar. Arid Sovar gets rained on. It's real chilly. It kind of sucks for him. Mm-hmm. It's not a good day to be arid so far. It's cold at night. It, it gets a little rainy, but he's like, I'll just find meaning in the song. I'll just reach within and sing the song even harder. And the thing is, he does like he does end up at a point where he's like, nah, man, I've got it. I'm feeling great. Like, I don't notice the cold anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm real into my my tunes. Yeah, he gets so much enlightenment. And then he uh, realizes like, oh, Man, I hadn't even thought about it, but it's daylight now, and here comes the sun, doot and doo doo. <laughs> and then he gets up to get off the rocks, but oh no, he's been sitting cross-legged so long that his legs are all sleepy. Yeah, and he tries to climb down, but then he tumbles and hits his head. He's got purple blood. Yeah, he reaches up and feels some purple fluid on his fingers. Blood, he says. He reaches up, 
goes, oh, purple stuff, Sunny D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I've always wondered if I was one of the Sunny D people or one of the purple stuff people of my planet. <laughs> oh, no, I'm one of the purple stuff people. I shall have to move underground with the Morlocks. <laughs> Uh, but he's like oh that's no big deal I just kind of lies on the ground laughing to himself until he gets his bearings again because fuck it he's got enlightenment and a new purpose and so on yeah he's like the whole world looks beautiful now and I've I've discovered the real me and I'm gonna go back home and I'm gonna share who I am with everyone even this crappy chunk of of uh, California chaparral a good 40 minutes from La Cienega looks amazing (laughs) (laughs) and that's when The transformation begins. Mm -hmm. His metamorphosis into a big old roach. Uh, Yes, he is. It's very Kafka-esque, this prologue. It's so (laughs) Kafka-esque. I wish that they did that with more authors, like uh, other than just him and Rabelais. That's very Faulkner-esque. Exactly. Like, if shit doesn't make any fucking sense, but you can kind of tell it's about death. (laughs) Like, this is very (laughs) Faulkner-esque. This book sucks. It's very (laughs) (laughs) Faulkner-esque. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he starts trying to walk, and then he's like, "Oh, my legs feel heavy, and my arms feel heavy." Ooh, check out my sweet veins! I got good vein action. The ladies are gonna dig this shit. Oh man, my veins are bulging. It's like I just did sweet reps. Yeah, man, I must have lost a bunch of pounds and and uh, become a drunk weirdo wandering around the California wilderness. This is all very Steinbecky. <laughs> Oh, oh, Steinbecky. <laughs> Steinbeck doesn't get an S. <laughs> Steinbesk. <laughs> it's either it's either Steinbeckish or Steinbeck Steinbecky. Uh, so, so sorry about that. Anyway, he is his veins are starting to stick out, and they're all like hard and stuff. Oh yeah, he's getting a lot of blood rushing to places that blood normally doesn't rush to. He's becoming a man. Yeah. With uh, with some rock and vascularity. This oh, ba- yeah. And also his skin is turning purple instead of its usual bronze, as if the blood has rushed to the surface. Indeed. And he's like, you know, even though it looks like I've essentially broken every blood vessel in my arms and legs, mm-hmm. I don't feel any pain. I have just sort of look weird. And then he sees himself in a reflection of a puddle and he's like oh fuck me oh crap i'm a purple monster i, I look real fucking weird now <laughs> i'm the incredible bulk <laughs> well i ain't barney the purple dinosaur <sighs> uh, and then Al Holland. <laughs> major glory <laughs> oh man the infragable crunk <laughs> yeah took me a second but i remembered it so our our boy, the infragable crunk here, thinks at least my fingers still look normal like to I himself. I still got bronze fingers, and that's great. That's what I want. But all of a sudden, his fingers start glowing a hazy shade of winter. And he's like, Elliot, <laughs> come. Ouch. <laughs> well, no, his, his fingers start glowing. And he's like, oh, shit, what now? And then his fingers fire a blast of concentrated mutant energy into a wall nearby. Yeah, he's got laser fingers now. So yep. he starts just shooting them off all over the place, just finger gunning as hard as he can. As soon as you realize you can shoot off, that's all you do for the rest of that day. Oh, yeah. He just mm-hmm. lies down, pointing towards the heavens and starts shooting off. I've become a man now. He's, he laughs to himself. Ha 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 ha. Just like all of my people, I will now shoot off into the air. <laughs> right before he gets some laser in his eye and it hurts real bad. Oh, like, oh no. Oh, crap. Oh, how am I going to clean this? <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah, he's out in the desert firing laser beams, and they stop just coming out of his fingers and start just shooting from wherever after a while, too. Like, he is, whatever's going on with him, it's a big deal. So, uh, eventually, the lasers die down, and he's just like, all right, well, now what the fuck do I do? Because I'm a big purple monster, and I have no idea what to do with myself. And that's pretty much where it ends. Yeah, that's the prologue. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. We're uh, we're we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to do a one chapter at a time. Thirty three episodes, baby. From now on, all we review is the prologues of books. <laughs> After that, we'll be doing a new podcast, the epilogues of books. <laughs> we'll just do one. Called- That's our bonus content is the epilogues. <laughs> I think here's the book we should the new podcast we should do. It's called Forward, and we just write unofficial and unauthorized forwards to books that already exist. Great. And it's just that. It's just like this is the forward to Moby Dick. John, go. <laughs> Hey, everyone, it's me, your pal, Moby. <laughs> I did techno, you remember? Anyway, here's dick pics. Yeah, didn't he have some kind of thing where he went bad towards the end? Uh, I mean, he had a weird thing where he was like, I definitely dated Natalie Portman. Oh, She's that's like, right. No, you really didn't. Yeah, and he's like, no, I'm pretty sure I dated Natalie Portman, <laughs> Natalie Portman. Pretty sure I did, though. There's this picture of you and me together, and I'm smiling. Obviously, we were dating. And she's like, that's a picture of you with a picture of me. <laughs> that's you with a, a fat head of me on the wall. <laughs> oh, those Natalie Portman fat heads. <laughs> I don't know why Fathead never branched out. It's always sports with those guys. Always sports with these guys. I think they might have eventually branched out, and you could buy, like, X-Men and, and Star Trek Fatheads, or Star Wars Fatheads. Who knows? Yeah. But a Natalie, just a Natalie Portman one where she's just Natalie Portman. Yeah, you just got a Natalie Portman Fathead. <laughs> I'm a true Natalie Portman mega fan. <laughs> uh, I only drink Natalie Porters. <laughs> uh, and I only eat Natalie Portmanchigo cheese. <laughs> And I only use Natalie Portman towels. <laughs> Goddamn. Hot damn. <laughs> Chapter one. Any Natalie Portman is Storm. <laughs> Chapter one. Fine. There we go. Okay, just waiting. <laughs> nah, go ahead. Nah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> uh, so chapter one follows another character for a bit of it that does not matter and will not matter forever. Yeah, security officer yellow shirt. Yeah, it's, it's TNG era, so so security can't be called red shirts anymore. We're gonna we're gonna play by the rules. Exactly. This yellow shirt, Marco Palmieri, mm-hmm. is wandering around a starbase, working on a linguine recipe. <laughs> He's throwing pasta at the wall and saying "gabagoo." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, that would be very TNG if he was like, "I'm obsessed with fit 1950s Italians." That's all I care about. That's all I use the hol- uh, the holodeck, which could do anything, I remind you. I could do anything in the holodeck, but all I do is go back to, like, mafioso-esque 1950s Italian eateries and ask for Mama's Spagooch. <laughs> Let me get a linguine Adriatico, huh? With the good, ah. with the good of Popo. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Anyway, Marco Palmieri, I don't know why we went on that tangent, is the yellow shirt at the beginning of this chapter. I don't believe he's going to matter in the long run. No, he is just here to mostly bitch and complain about how boring his life is. Mm -hmm. But also, he's here to tell us when exactly this book takes place in the Star Trek timeline. Yeah, there's a couple different... uh, Honestly, the next two chapters are a tremendous amount of scene setting. Well, yeah, because his whining is like, oh, it's so boring here. Even though... 
currently the Dominion is a problem, mm-hmm. and also Cardassia is making troubles again. So it's happening. Mm, let's go ahead and say season what five of DS Nine, maybe yeah, six. Pretty, well, I, I think this has got to be set. It's right after. I mean, we we find out later on in the next chapter. This is also right after Worf and got Jadzia got married. Oh, so, that's true. Yeah, so we know that this is somewhere. This is not towards the. It's it's in the middle of the Dominion Wars, probably before they they infested the the uh, infested Earth. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, no, this is. We know Jem'Hadar exists, and we know the Dominion is around. The other thing that we we eventually learn throughout the course of this chapter is that it takes place after Star Trek: First Contact. Yes. Because Data has a chip. Yeah, Data has the memory chip. Uh, and, Emotion chip, thank you. Uh, Data finally has a memory. A thing he finally, had, he has some memory. He never learned memory before. He finally <laughs> has a copy of the board game memory all his before own. Before this, Data just had a bunch of tattoos on him. He's like, oh, don't trust his lies. That's weird. <laughs> These are super vague tattoos. Find John G. Who the fuck is that? These tattoos are far too vague. It's almost like I'm in some sort of backwards movie. <laughs> I wish I had some way to keep track of things. Something that would remind me, like a like a memento of something. <laughs> Maybe I could just write shit down and not get vague tattoos. <laughs> just have a note that says, hey, my dude. <laughs> All he needs is that VHS from the end of 51st Dates. Ah. Hey, you're married to me. There's nothing you can do about it, person who doesn't remember me. I'm Adam Sandler. <laughs> remember how romantic everyone thinks this horrifying scenario is? I've trapped you into a life with me. <laughs> You don't know your children. <laughs> uh, so, sorry about that. Marco Palm Marco Palmieri. Marco Palmieri is letting us know this is the story of a girl. <laughs> and he's real sad because he wants to get shipped off to a star base maybe that's closer to the action. Because he knows... Trying to get onto a starship is hard. Yeah, there's not a lot of berths out there on starships for eager young security officers. Yeah, he's according to fresh him. out the academy. Yeah, which is why he's serving on Starbase 88. Indeed, off in the Ballsack district of whatever, who gives a it's, shit? Yeah, it's probably near one of those plants where nothing bad ever... It's, oh, it's over by Ryza or something. And <laughs> no also, one has ever done anything to it or will. Yeah, there's there's nothing ever goes wrong here. Oh, man, I'm in pack led space. This sucks. <laughs> uh, so he's just hoping something would happen, and then it does. Yeah, a temporal anomaly flares off in, in Cargo Bay order. 7 or something, and he's ordered to go check it out by his commanding officer. Who's like, Clark, Clark's a, like, hey, Palmieri. Yes, yes, Lieutenant or whatever your rank is. Or whatever, whoever you are. Whoever, I don't know where I am right now. Yes, Clark. Uh did you just get a, re- a report of a temporal disturbance in an area? Yes. Okay, go check it out. Okay. Aw, now I'm sad again, because if it was anything cool, they wouldn't have just sent me alone. And I'm like, no, nah, that's not true. That's a defeatist attitude, son. You gotta, you, you My gotta- dude, they will always send one person to go check some shit out. Mm-hmm. It's usually Worf. <laughs> You're not badass enough, though, so don't worry, they won't beat you up. Well, anyway, he goes to the room, but unfortunately, by the time he gets there, the temporal disturbance is gone. Damn, he thinks. Nothing interesting ever happens to me, Marco Palmieri. (laughs) Marco! Palmieri! (laughs) Marco! Fish out of water. Damn it! (laughs) 
Uh, okay, yeah, Marco Palmieri is in this little cargo bay looking around, and he's like, damn, nothing cool ever happens for me. And that's when there's an even bigger flash of temporal disturbances. Yeah, and he covers his eyes, and there's a huge bright light. And then he lowers his arm, and he's like, wait a minute. There's some people over here. I better check this room for chroniton particles. <laughs> Except no. Yeah, he didn't do that. There's no mention of particles of any kind. He's just like, huh, looks like there's seven people <laughs> and they they're talking to each other and boy can you basically tell who's who by the shitty way that they are written oh boy this is gonna get rough <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no chroniton particles but there's bacon bits <laughs> anyway yeah there are five male and two female people who have suddenly appeared out of nowhere in the room and with an irish accent one of them says like ah laddie are the time hooks we were carrying still here <laughs> That's uh Scottish. That's real bad. Yeah. Thank you. Why don't you do it? <laughs> so where is he? Ah yeah, there he is. I've got a better question. Where are we time hook devices? There you go. Because one of our people is a wasted spot on fucking Banshee. Oh yeah, you get seven X Men to send and they're like, Oh, who are we gonna send out here? Well obviously Wolverine, we'll send Storm. Maybe Nightcrawler. It's the mid-90s, so people still like Shadowcat for some stupid reason. People continue to like Shadowcat for some stupid reason. Shadowcat gets interesting eventually, but she eventually takes... As soon as she has a dragon. Well, Lockheed is interesting regardless of her. No, it's it's when she takes over the uh, Guardians, and she literally dresses like the movie version of Quill, and it's just like, look, I'm awesome. Let me on your ship. I'll be the captain. And they're like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Sweet. Also, Agent Venom is there. Oh, Agent Venom. Yeah, it's a it's a weird cast, but she's great. She's uh, great. So anyway, but this is still Shadowcat as of the 90s, where she's wearing a lot of yellow and has a huge perm. Kind of looks like a poodle. Uh, but you can basically tell who is talking by either they use we because they are Irish or they are said to have a gruff voice, so you know it's Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they'll end a sentence with Tovarish. <laughs> I don't even think they gave a single line to, to him. Oh, they, oh, they do. Oh, did they, does it, did they end it with Tovarish? No. Okay, that's good. Uh, and then the Archangel's there, too. You can just tell because there's a blue guy. And he's, this is the stupidest logical line for, uh, for Palmieri to go through, where he's like, there's a blue guy. I guess he could be Andorian. or Oh, he's definitely not. He's not any of the blue races I know. Can they have six blue races, and so here we go. Here's six, but none of them have giant metal wings coming out of their backs. Looks like the wings are actually coming out of them instead of just worn. <laughs> also, there's some other blue guy, which wouldn't be that weird, and he's got three fingers and toes. Also, again, Star Trek, not that weird. He does have a weird tail, though, and that's the part I think is strange. Yeah. I'm kind of sad that the thing that wasn't strange wasn't Nightcrawler's 90s outfit, which is very (laughs) dick-centric. Why do you got a big old arrow pointing towards your crotch there? (laughs) Eh? And I was kind of hoping for it's some... It's for the Fraulein's. See, that's exactly... I was kind of hoping for some German dialectic. We don't get it. No, we, we get the Irish, but we don't get any Russian or German. Yeah. No, he's just like, as you wish, ma'am, as he does whatever Storm tells him. Ugh. Maybe he's working on that. But yeah, there was a period there where he was basically wearing a singlet pointed at his dick. Yeah. I think that's still what everyone thinks of when they think of Nightcrawler. Oh, pretty much, yeah. It's just a one-piece bathing suit with giant shoulder things. Oh, yeah. He had the weird... Like, curled up shoulder bits, mm-hmm. and then a big red V pointed right at the dickus. Yeah, which if you saw that in real life, you'd be like, dude, that's a little much. <laughs> My God, come on, man. 
Where, what are you doing that you need to wear that? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm wearing for my thigh highs with two more arrows on them. <laughs> I don't want there to be any confusion. Look, I am drawing the eye to the most important place is what I am doing. <laughs> the business, as you, as, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, he's like, well, who are these people? Five of them are men and two of them are women. Beautiful women, I might add. <laughs> the The fact that at this point, Marco freaks out for some reason. He's like, oh, I better pull this because they apparently appeared out of nowhere, which this is Star Trek. I assume people can do that. Yeah. Teleport. Or, transporting is a thing. Yeah. But he's like, oh, hey, you stay right there, and I'm going to pull a phaser out. And they're like, hey, man, chill out. Don't do and, that. And instead of being like, okay, who are you? He's just like, back the fuck off, man. Yeah. And that's when Clark shows up. Uh, his commanding officer, Lieutenant Clark, comes in. Well, no. First, he has to get his shit pushed in. Oh, does he? Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so first, he's like, hey, I've got this gun. Stay away from me. And Wolverine tries to be like... Hey, buddy, you're not going to do anything with that. But Wolverine is so <laughs> shticky. Like, just as in, in the 90s. It's time for the old knucklehead to take care of this. Hey, why don't you just tell the old knucklehead the things that I wanted to know before I cuts you up real good because I'm the best there is at what I bubs. Let me tell you, bub, I've been slapped by bigger and better than you. Okay, great. And yeah, then he just right. gets phasered and blasted <laughs> against a wall. And you're like, that may not have been the best choice. Maybe you should have used plain language, Wolverine. Ugh. <laughs> And that's when we get Colossus steps forward and is like, Rrr! yeah, he turns himself to metal. Rrr! Good job. Good job. Now do the, uh, vi- <laughs> just going to keep interrupting. <laughs> now do the Dazzler noise from the same game. I don't know. The only noise I know from the old X-Men arcade game is Colossus's. Because <laughs> so I was like, what are you doing, my dude? So Colossus steps in front of Wolverine to prevent any further shooting and turns, turns on his metal skin, much to the surprise of our. Our illustrious young ensign or whatever he is. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, you got bigger and metal. It's a shapeshifter! It must be one of the Dominion. Uh, It's probably a founder then. I mean, he doesn't say founder. He just says shapeshifter. Yeah. I guess he's leaving it open that could be one of the other Star Trek shapeshifters. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there are a few. He doesn't look like he's after salt, though, so probably not that one. (laughs) That's fair. But uh, I'm just glad he doesn't just go, fucking Q! I wonder how many people in Starfleet know about Q that aren't, like, fairly high-ranking. Well, I mean, you have to go by the, the numbers, right? So in the TNG era, Q shows up to bother all three of the captains that any show is about. Well, yeah. All three of them, get a, which means, just by the numbers, either that's an incredible coincidence, or Q is bothering everyone. Or... These are the only interesting things happening. Like, Q's not going to show up on some fucking, like, medical ship that's just running supplies. Well, that, the other problem is that half the time when Q shows up, there's just nothing going on. Ah. There's just, it's just like, what's going on? We're go- on a mission to go to some planet. Oh, time to fuck with you. All right, time to send you to the Old West. I'm going to make all of you my merry men. Our dreams are coming true on this ship. <laughs> so he's just like, I show up on boring ships and fix things. And just given the, the the percentages, he has to be bothering more than three of them. I feel like there should be at least one episode where the captain, like all the captains of Starfleet are in some big me- meeting hall. Oh, you get an almost got him? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just all their stories about times Q showed up. Fucking Q. Ah. 
there's like a whole table of captains. They, they're just the Q-bothered captains. <laughs> it showed up and made it so that the only thing our replicator would make was caterpillars. I don't know why. <laughs> you think that's bad. <laughs> One time, I almost hit him with a rock. <laughs> it was a big rock. Uh, anyway, Nightcrawler teleports behind him, grabs the phaser, and is like, peace out, bitch. And that's when Clark shows up. Yeah, Clark shows up. He's like, oh, good. Back up. That'll help me with this situation. Hooray. Now we won't escalate this any further. Now, Which at least Clark is like, hey, let's uh, let's actually talk instead of just firing guns at each other. Let's calm down on this one. Now, Shadowcat is reacting to the whole situation by getting scared and phasing through the floor. Yeah, good job, Shadowcat. You're a real hero. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, I feel like this is a very young Shadowcat. We don't get any dialogue from her or anything, but... See, but this is post-Blue and Yellow Squad, which means she has to have been on the team for a while now. Yeah. Like, this isn't a fresh-faced Shadowcat. That said, I feel like they're writing Shadowcat as a scared little shrinking violent type character, so it might be that despite the fact that there's been some growth in the X-Men continuity, this is definitely the greatest hits. Oh, well, yeah, I mean... When you're going to write a fanfic, you're going to take the favorites of everyone's personality and just go, oh, yeah, that's what you are. I like it when Wolverine is sticky, so that's what he is right now. Mm, I like cartoon Wolverine. You got any robots I can slice up? Otherwise, I can't even get the claws out. <laughs> Licensing. Ugh. So uh, at this point, Storm finally steps forward because she's the leader of the team and is like, hey, 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 chill your shit. Calm down, everyone. Let's all come. We don't need to fight with you. We're just some people who got on your ship on accident. Everyone chill. And that's when Cy oh, sorry, I always say Siren, but Banshee, Banshee gets in and just brogues the fuck out of the situation. Oh, my God. He's annoying. Why is he there? Any other X-Man? Oh, you do not see it. It's the same outfit, the same insignia. <laughs> oh, saints preserve us. Each and every one of them is wearing a heart or star or clover. <laughs> oh, hearts, stars, horseshoes, clovers, and blue moons. Because <laughs> they even describe him as being a, 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 a ruddy Irish man with red hair in, a, in his yellow and green outfit. And that, that, that Banshee outfit is the worst X-Men costume, short of 80s. Uh, short of <laughs> Nightcrawler's dick, dick po pointer. Dick, dick pointer. You know what? I shouldn't say worst. There's too many. There's so many There's... bad costumes. I was thinking of when Shadowcat was wearing the like early '90s. Oh, the like buccaneer outfit. <laughs> yeah, the bucket with like the with like six colors, just hip teenage nothing. Ugh. There's so many bad X-Men costumes, and this is just one of them. At least Wolverine's in his blue and yellow, so he's got a decent outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Storm, I assume is in punk outfit because this. <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, she'll be we in... get a description of the hair. No, she's uh, yeah, so she'll definitely be in cartoon. Yeah, she'll she's be in the silver. She's described as a dark beauty with a shock of platinum hair. Yeah, but uh, at that point, they're like, "Hey, hey, uh, we know someone here. Do yeah. you know? Do you know a fellow by the name of Picard?" <laughs> and you're like, "Oh yeah, everyone knows who Picard is." He's a hero of Starfleet. Yeah, he constantly tries to go undercover and stuff, which is just fucking ridiculous. It's real dumb. Yeah, it, everyone, every, it, and it's a world where everyone has pictures of everyone. It's really bad, and yet he constantly does it. <laughs> uh, we just humor him because he's a hero. Yeah, you have to. He's like the highest ranking captain. He holds the rank of captain. <laughs> it's, it's better than Admiral. <laughs> Uh, and they're like, yeah, we know Picard. He's the captain of Flash. Oh, very good then, because he's a friend of ours. Yeah. So you could, you could get him on the horn. Yeah, just just call him. 
Just call it the only relevant Star Trek guy. Oh, you don't want to talk to Benjamin Sisko? No, no, no one was. He wouldn't take this seriously. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be like, get these people off my fucking station. Pass. Hard pass. (laughs) I know this is some Q bullshit. No. You take that to a show with other dumb shit. Do you have wings made out of your arms connecting to your legs, sir? I do, yes. Okay, that's... All right, well, we're done here. Some of us work for a living. (laughs) I have things to do i'm on the front of a war why don't you go dick around on the flagship now unless you're just a weirdly dressed 1940s baseball team i have to ask that you vacate (laughs) please put on these outfits or go (laughs) uh but no it's it's please call picard and that's pretty much the end of the x-men for this but just just to be clear we were very curious about this going into the book which x-men do you get and it's We've got uh, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Shadowcat, Banshee, and... Archangel. Archangel. The the Archangels. The the, Archangel. The blue one with the metal wings. So this is very the cartoon. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. That's what's going on with them. Meanwhile, on the Defiant... Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. No, meanwhile, on Jaldia, Jaldia, the titular Planet X, Mm -hmm. we have to deal with... Pratisamon, Chancellor of the Planet, the whole planet. Yes, yeah. Well, because every it's one, of, it's a Star Trek planet. Yeah. Every time there's a planet in Star Trek, there is only one government, and someone's in charge of it. Or there's two governments, and they're fighting. But by the end of the episode, you get them to agree to sit at the same table. Yeah, yeah and that's that, it. Yeah, that, there's that's... never like oh, there's like a million different little. Uh, governments all around here were split up into tiny states, and they occasionally mention that the United that the world used to be like that. They'll be like, one of the old nation states refused to join the Federation. I think it was Australia. <laughs> and you're like, how would you have forgotten that when every one of you was so proud of shit from the 40s? Well, that's all they care about. Yeah, like I don't care about politics from like the late 2000s, 2100s, or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They only care about stuff that recently became public domain. Yes. If we can mention it or play it, boy, howdy, do I give a fuck. Boy, we sure all do love Sherlock Holmesy times. Boy, howdy, do we. It'd be great if just one of the TNG people was way into one of the other versions of Sherlock, and that was all they would be willing to participate in. <laughs> They're like, you better give me that Cumberbatch. The only Sherlock I participate in is the Robert Downey Jr. movies. Weird, but okay. I only like that cartoon where he's a kid in the future. Ah, it's still our past, but it's his future. Look, the only thing I do is James Bond Jr. <laughs> the only Sherlock I like is the one where it's Lucy Liu, I think. I think, maybe. Might, she might be the Watson. I think she's the Watson. I think she might be the Watson. But I am I love it. That's me. But, the, but I love it all the same, even though I know nothing about it. That's me. That's what Guinan does on the holodeck. This is my Guinan impression. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Guinan here. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway... Um, Pratis is, uh, he's worried because we find out that these weird mutations are happening all over the planet. Everyone, right around the age of 22, oh, not everyone, but a lot of people who recently hit the age of 22 are suddenly developing powerful and uncontrollable mutations that give them uh, superpowers instead of what mutations usually do in uh, Star Trek, which is like de-evolve you into an iguana or something. Oh, I thought you were going to say, which, <laughs> unlike what mutations normally do, which is cancer. Oh, well, no, that's non-Star Trek. That's real life. Yeah. In Star Trek, it's usually, oh, you're re- you're becoming a pygmy marmoset or something. 
Or that one episode where the two guys only become visible by like UV radiation light, and they have to live in a special space on the holodeck. And they were like famous radio DJs from Los Angeles. Whoop, whoop. Okay, there you go. Anyway, so yeah, he's like, it's only people around 22. Like, nobody older than that really is turning into this, and nobody younger is, so there's got to be some connection. Mm-hmm. But they're all from, like, disparate areas of the planet, so mm-hmm. it's not like a virus being passed person to person. Yes. So he's he is troubled. There are there are concerns, and he just goes through a list. There's like, oh, this one lady like almost killed her family when when she suddenly started sucking the heat out of everything nearby her. Yeah, and we've got someone who turned invisible, and some guy named Arid Sovar had laser beam fingers back in the prologue. You know, that's when that happened. Remember, uh, one guy accidentally, like some fisherman, accidentally used his super strength to punch a hole in his own boat. Which, what were you doing punching at your boat without super strength anyway? <laughs> I hate this boat, but in a way where I would like to retain its structural integrity. Oh, oh my hubris. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and then he sends, uh, well, he gets the chancellor, uh, gets a meeting from the security minister. Yeah, so the wharf of, of this planet shows up, and he, his name is Amon. No, that's that's the chancellor. Tollet oh. is the oh, minister. Oh, right, Tollet, excuse me. Tollet comes in and he's like, sir, we need your orders because the world is covered with mutants or something. Should we start building some sort of giant purple robot to get them? (laughs) I was thinking we could have some kind of sentinel show up and maybe Mm -hmm. we could put them into a mutant relocation area. Some sort of registration for them, maybe. Mm -hmm. And also... Mm, I don't know. I got this guy named Bishop, and I was thinking maybe we could put an M on his face. We definitely want to stop this before they form some kind of liberation front. What we really need is, I've got this island called Genosher, and we should put them there. <laughs> Genosher. Genosher. It's the Genosher Island. I've got this island called uh, Krakona. <laughs> Oh, don't worry about any of that. Just send for the Vermilion Warlock. He'll say no more mutants and we'll be fine. (laughs) No, more mutants. (laughs) That's what I keep dreaming will happen in the MCU. (laughs) Uh, So do you think there should be less mutants? (laughs) No, more mutants. The (laughs) X-Men. So first of all, we get my favorite uh, problem in the book right here where... uh, Oh, it's good to see you, Chancellor, though I wish it was under better circumstances. The, uh, <sighs> he tilted his head in the direction of, de- of his desk. You've seen the lastest reports. Oh, the lastest. <laughs> I know it should be latest, but we got two different versions of this book, and they have not changed it. <laughs> well, on the planet Jaldia, that's the word for most recent. Yeah, the mostest recent. <laughs> the mostest recent. That's right. The lastest. <laughs> They also love their beloved actress, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, <laughs> uh, God damn it. <laughs> so anyway, have you seen these lastest reports? I have. There's like mutants or something all oh, over the place. Oh, so troubling. And then Amon is just like, hey, you know what we should do? Let's gather them all up and throw them in this fortress. We have a random castle set somewhere. Uh, excuse me. We have an old fortress we can put. We can- <laughs> Someone just finished using the castle set on the other sound lot. So uh, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and use that. We can put them in an old castle. What, what is your people What's not value? What's the plan? 
Uh, I don't know, just get all of the people who could possibly blow stuff up in one area. That should go well. I don't understand. This is the kind of thing you would only see in a next-gen episode of any kind. It's like, oh, it's a whole our whole planet, we have this one old castle that we don't want. Hey, remember from the Seven Years' War? Yeah. Uh, an old fortress. No one wants to live in it, even though it's a huge castle, so I guess we'll use it as an impromptu prison because we couldn't just put them in a prison. Uh... Well, so definitely because they haven't done anything wrong, they can't be put in a prison. So they're like, oh, we pride ourselves on how forward thinking and, and good we are. And it pains me to have to take these people and put them into a concentration camp. Well, by concentration camp, again, I do mean historic landmark. This would be like, oh, there's mutants developing in the United States. I know. Let's get them all and stuff them into George Washington's nose on Mount Rushmore. No, they'd just be like, oh, let's put them all in the Alamo. <laughs> I guess. Let's clear out the Alamo, which is currently an established tourist attraction, and then put mutants there. Let's get Fort Sumter, and we're going to throw mutants in it. <laughs> it's got to be some kind of tourist thing that no one ever goes to. It is now completely empty and vacant. <laughs> Look, go to one of those giant dinosaurs along Route 66, <laughs> and we'll store the mutants in there. Ugh. So, anyway, that's the plan. But but uh, the Talit is like, but sir, they aren't going to want to get taken away from their families and lives, and Locked in a castle? Ah, uh, but it's for the good of them and the people. They could hurt themselves or others. Hmm, troubling. Indeed, very troubling. And problematic, too. Hmm, but it's it's for the greater good. Ah, yes, the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> I'm still kind of sad that we haven't gotten the Jaldian's forehead ridge situation. In, yeah, we in, do not know in, what in, their wrinkle situation is. In two meetings with them, we have yet to figure out exactly what little creases and folds and flaps and crap they have on their faces. What do you got? Cheek stuff? Nose stuff? Forehead stuff? Come on. You got that thing where you got two more nose holes? I, I mean, which you one? You got you ear stuff? Chin stuff? How about that thing where your chin connects to your nose and it makes it look like eating is a huge pain in the ass? You got neck stuff? Hand stuff? <laughs> you, wanna, you want some hand stuff? <laughs> Well, it is part of our adulthood rituals. Anyway, we should probably get to the last half of Chapter 2, because it's a large section that I like to call Explaining Why Worf is Here. <laughs> yeah, since Marco already told us that this is taking place during the Dominion War, you're like, wait a minute, why is Worf on the Enterprise? He's over on DS9. What's going on here? Yeah, no, it, it shouldn't, logically it shouldn't make any sense, but that's the way it always is in the movies, too, where they're always just like, oh, Worf, you're here, good, okay. Uh, business as usual, then? Uh... You know, normal security chief, go sit in your room for the rest of this movie. <laughs> uh, get out, Worf's here. <laughs> uh, but we start on the bridge of the Defiant, where Worf in, and uh, it's just Worf and, and O'Brien uh, are are for some the reason the only people that are important that are getting. Mixed. I assume other people are there. I mean, it depends on what season. If it's early Defiant storyline, then there's that Romulan lady whose whole job is to make sure that none of the Federation nobody's people using their dumb crap yeah, outside of don't. Stay away from this cloaking device. That's my only job. That's what I do. I press the button that says cloak. Also, Eddington should be on there because he's assigned to be like the security super liaison. The, the other liaison. The super liaison. I forget his specific role, but that's before he de he defects to the Maquis. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, but all we hear about is uh, O'Brien and uh, in Worf. Now, Worf is fresh from the honeymoon of the of, from his marriage to Jadzia Dax. Oh, yeah. So... O'Brien is trying to engage with him, mm -hmm. and Worf is just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, it, the book's like, yeah, re uh, recently Worf has decided to show less emotion around his crewmates. And I was <laughs> like, are you sure that's a recent pro- or are you just trying to revert him to, to classic Worf so that you can write the story? Yep. <laughs> recently, Worf was like, I remember him and liked him. <laughs> 
uh, Worf decided to put his hair back into his old haircut and put on a red shirt for some reason. <laughs> Although, wait, he has red and he, he's wearing red in DS9. Yeah. Yeah. He's yellow on the Enterprise. So he decides to put on a yellow shirt for some reason. That makes there sense. There you go. Yeah, that's what, there that's, we are. That's what I was looking for. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, um, O'Brien's trying to be like, hey, say hi to all our friends since I'm not important enough to go on this mission. They couldn't think up an excuse to have old O'Brien there, but I am someone people remember. But here's our here's our rationale for it. The the reason that warps along. Uh, there's recently been a big conference uh, discussing how to engage with Klingons. Maybe a kind of mofference. It could be it could be that, or it could just be one of the many symposia that they're always. The characters are always returning to and from in uh, in Star Trek TNG. Yeah, so because it's during the Dominion War, they're like, we really need the Klingons' help with a bunch of stuff. So we're going to send you mm-hmm. to a meeting with the Klingons, and because Cisco doesn't want to be without the Defiant for long, God, you don't get... blame him. He's at the forefront of the Jem'Hadar crisis. Oh, yeah. So we're going to have you meet some other ship and get taken over there. That some other ship will, of course, be the Enterprise. Yeah, famed space taxi, the Enterprise. (laughs) Who just show up anywhere and like, hey, you call for a lift? Yeah, we're the flagship of the fleet, which means we don't have any jobs to do. That's our, Our whole point is literally to ferry around people who have previously been on the Enterprise. Oh, the second anyone's like... Hey, uh, I don't know, some ambassador or whatever needs to get picked up. Oh, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. You are hundreds of light years away. We'll do it. It's a two-week journey from where he needs to be to where he needs to go. We'll do it. Okay. Oh, this all feels very silly. We will do it. <laughs> so Worf is like, well, secretly, I am I am pleased to think, to think about seeing my friends from the Enterprise once again. But I will not show it because I am a warrior. Mm, yes. A lack of emotion is what is called for in this scenario. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he's like, I, I will return to DS9 as soon as possible to aid in the in the battle against the Dominion. But first I have to attend a symposia. <laughs> Several of them. Yeah. Many symposia. <laughs> Many symposia died <laughs> to get us this information. So, um, yeah, then I guess... At this point, he beams over to the Enterprise, and O'Brien takes his spaceship and goes home. Yeah, he's like, all right, well, fuck you then, I'm out. And uh, <laughs> he gets over to there, and it's just some new transporter person that he doesn't know. There's a new transporter chief, and the moment there's a new transporter chief, and he's like, oh, I was hoping to be met by a deck officer. I'm like, oh, God damn it! They do this like four times in the series where they, where they use a surprise party on Worf. Yeah. He's ultra sensitive to surprise parties, and they constantly do it to him. It, they do it to him all the time because he always falls for it. You'd think he'd file some sort of formal complaint. I do not like surprise parties. People should not let themselves into my quarters. <laughs> uh, also, I'd like it if Riker quits suggesting I have sex with everything. <laughs> uh, not even everyone. Everything. <laughs> hey, uh, you gonna fuck that? Hey, uh, dibs. <laughs> That's my chair. Dibs! This is a special statue you take to Ryza and fuck. <laughs> Anyone sees you fucking this statue, they know. You want to fuck. Uh, so, yeah, he's like, oh, no, only this random transporter chief is here. I was hoping for... Never mind. Uh, which, honestly, I know they're doing a, a deck officer surprise party for Worf, but isn't that kind of mean of a, of a joke to pull on this poor transporter chief who gets to meet, like, one of the heroes of the Enterprise's history, and he's just like, oh, god damn it, I don't want to meet you, you dumb redheaded nobody. Hey, 
is anyone important going to be here? And you're just like, oh, I'm part of this whole surprise party thing. My job is to be the nobody, so you're disappointed. <laughs> oh, they specifically picked me out because I look like a schlub. <laughs> but he's like, well, I guess I will proceed to the bridge myself and starts walking through. And then he runs into Picard uh, hanging right outside the door. Yeah, Picard's basically walking in as he's walking out. He's like, oh, hey, Worf. Oh, uh, welcome aboard. I guess you can walk along with me. I don't care, though. Follow me to definitely not a surprise party. <laughs> I can promise you it's not a surprise party, number four. <laughs> By the way, I've started numbering everybody. Yes, you're number four. <laughs> I'll let you guess who's number three. <laughs> it's my penis. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... You know, he's like, ah, sir, it is very good to see you again. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yes, Wolf, yes, whatever. Yes, I'm that's like, great. No, now, no, anyway, follow me. No one cares. We're going to go right back to work on the bridge. Uh, I, I apologize, sir, that I did not invite you to my wedding. Yeah, because he thinks that maybe the captain got all pissed off because he was like, oh, shit, I got married and I didn't even invite anyone from the Enterprise. Oh, man, I am a huge asshole. I am very curious. that is that supposed to be canon that he didn't even think to invite the Enterprise crew? Or was it just that he did, but they were off doing important Romulan stuff? And like, because otherwise it, it does create kind of a weird discontinuity issue where you're like, why didn't he invite? Well, because uh, Alexander was going to be uh, shipping off and we, we didn't have time to. Still, you send the invitation. Everyone knows with weddings, you send invitations to people you know won't be able to make it just so that they send you fucking presents. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's open up the present from Picard. That's some tea, great. Oh, and the good. one from Riker, a fuck statue, all right. Oh, good, great. Well, hold on, I got him reversed. Apparently this is fuck tea, and this is one of this is one of Picard's stupid archaeological finds. <laughs> Still can fuck it, though. <laughs> oh, yes, it's a goes-off fuck statue. Only four of them left in existence. Very rare, and I don't care. <laughs> uh, okay, so Picard's... Like, oh, don't worry about it. No one cared about your wedding anyway. Yeah, they're just being huge assholes. Like, mm-hmm. I get that you want to do a surprise party, but man, you are just making him feel like shit for no reason. Yeah, no, they just belittle him for a good ten minutes. And poor off transporter chief nobody who gives a fuck. It's just, this is not a good prank. No. They... <sighs> They just don't know how to pull a good prank. You feel like the right way to pull this prank is not to wander him uh, painfully through the Enterprise for a long time, but instead of beaming him to the transporter room, just beaming him directly to the surprise party. Yeah, just beam him into whatever observation observation deck you're on and then be like, surprise, you Ah, big dumb idiot. Yeah, you thought you were transporting somewhere else and you didn't. Yeah, it's us, your friends. (laughs) We like like you despite you. You dumb, emotionless fuckstick. Data's got more than you. Well, yeah, now he has tons. He's got too much. Uh, well, they walk him into an observation lounge, and wouldn't you know it, here's all the here's all the bridge crew that you remember, and they're all like, surprise! Hey, good. Mm-hmm. Good. We We actually like you, and even though I was pretending not to know anything about your wedding or give a fuck... I know all about it, and congratulations, my and, dude. And I'm actually super pissed that you didn't invite me instead of non-committal. So there's that. <laughs> so just, there is there just, is that. I am going to make you sleep in the worst bunk. <laughs> you have to sleep in a warp nacelle. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually very soothing. I find this soothing, Captain. Oh shoot! Uh, ah, damn. I'm gonna put fleas in there. Uh, I'm gonna make you sleep in Riker's room. <laughs> oh. I'll have you know I'm up most nights. Fucking. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) You're free to 
play through. <laughs> Uh, if you don't mind, some fairly uh, tidy seconds. <laughs> Very tidy seconds. <laughs> He's an officer yeah. and a gentleman. <laughs> Damn it. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> you ass. Uh, uh, anyway, everyone's here. Troy's here and and uh, and, and Crusher, and the whole gang. Um, I- I- anyone who's a major character from the, uh, from the Enterprise crew. Jordy, you know, Data's there. He's got his motion chip. Yeah, and they're all very excited to see him. They're like Worf, who immediately gets scared and goes into his Makbarah fighting stance. Oh yeah, the second they're like surprise, he's like, "I will kill you all." I think you forgot that I have three hearts and two spines, or whatever. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, you don't have to be so startled. A Klingon is never startled." <laughs> yeah, but you just were though. A Klingon is never startled. I was just piss my pants scared. <laughs> A Klingon arrives exactly when he means to. <laughs> Uh, and then he has some just general light banter with the with the crew so that you and it's mostly just, again, explaining why it's OK for him to be here. Yeah. They're like, oh, isn't your wife going to be all pissed off? And like, no, she's fine with it. She has important whatever Jadzia Dax's role in the ship was. <laughs> you don't remember. It's she, she's, science. she's the chief science officer. She does science. She does machines. <laughs> oh, no, wait, O'Brien does machines. All right, harder question for you then, John. What was Esri Dax's job on the ship? Man, I don't know. Mm. I have no idea what the fuck Esri was doing there. She was the ship's count or the station's counselor. I thing is, that's what I assumed given the personality she had. Yeah. Yeah. She was she basically had the Troy role. Yeah. So anyway, everyone's there, and Riker has to drop some like, ah, oh, I've heard your wife likes to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Thanks, Riker. We, we did recently get married, and we were a Klingon and a tr- and Dax, who was a notorious fuck bl- slug. So yes, you're right. We 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 co- we bone down. Ah, good. Be sure not to anger her during the honeymoon, or you'll be sleeping on the floor. I'm Riker. <laughs> Keep your dick clean. <laughs> it's me, Riker. Uh, want some tidy seconds? <laughs> I clean up where I've been. Oh, god damn it. I take only pictures and leave only footprints. <laughs> Don't forget your anniversary. I understand that little woman swings a mean batleth. Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, I swing a mean batleth. <laughs> ah, Riker, get out. Welcome to the Enterprise. Please leave your keys in this fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot this entire ship is horny on main. <laughs> Not me, I'm Jordy. <laughs> I'm Jordy, I'm never horny. I never understand sex in the slightest. I just hit on anyone who's subordinate to me because they don't have a choice. I walk into anything anyone's doing, I don't really understand boundaries. Jordy LaForge. <laughs> this visor lets me see everything, but not whether or not it's appropriate. <laughs> or <laughs> why kids love the great taste of cinnamon toast crunch. Ah, I have studied that extensively. <laughs> Data's all like, they enjoy it because of the polymers found in sugars. <laughs> Uh, that would be great. I want to see that. A T N G cinnamon toast crunch yes. commercial, just like the whole thing. Yes. Uh, it is not honorable to for an adult to enjoy cereal. <laughs> That's right. It's one of the many tenets of Klingon culture. Do not enjoy cereal. Oh, you can eat it, but you better not enjoy it. You should relax, Worf. It's one of the two hundred ninety-three rules of acquisition to eat cereal. <laughs> Uh, you can't enjoy it. We only have Kashi good friends on Klingon. Oh, <laughs> uh, we only have Klingon blood checks. <laughs> uh, yep, there you go. So that's pretty much it. Uh, would they get a message from 
Admiral Kashiwata, uh, you know, the person from Starbase 88. Mm-hmm. But we don't get any resolution. Basically, the end of the chapter is Picard being like, I'll go check that out. Everyone stay here and party. Yeah, and they're all like, are you sure, Captain? I'm sure. You guys stay in here. and I'll, I-, I like to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in my ready room. I'll be ready in there. <laughs> Ooh, it's my room for being ready in. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, that was a horny episode. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, TNG is pretty horny. I'm not going to lie. It is very horny. And if you're watching like the end of TNG, there's this whole thing that never gets resolved where uh, Worf and Deanna Troy are getting together. Yes. So, I mean, that was basically one of the final weird little tension things was... Oh, Deanna's getting with Worf, and Riker's kind of jealous. Yeah, Riker's got this kind of mama bear about any <laughs> vagina he's ever seen before. How dare you? <laughs> oh, I haven't dated her in seven seasons, and I'm real pissed that you would consider it. <laughs> uh, how dare you try and give me tidy seconds? <laughs> Mr. Worf, I challenge you to a sword fight. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, traditionally use a bat left. Yes, no. Yes, no, well, I'm sure yours is curved. <laughs> I'm Riker. Ah, <laughs> uh, the double-headed Klingon penis. <laughs> the old double-headed Klingon penis. We should get out of here before this gets too gross. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, I don't. I think there's going to be certain number. I don't know how many episodes of this we're going to do. Uh, it's it should probably be seventeen. Eleven. There's. there's- there's 34 chapters. Yeah, and if we do three at a time, then it should be about 11. Yeah, okay, so that's probably where we're headed. Plus, so. the last two chapters are like one page each, so it's but fine. It, don't worry, after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the reins again, and we'll be right back into <laughs> Star Wars where we belong. I'm still, I've got my eyes open for a Star Wars meets X-Men crossover novel. I'll find it. By God, I will find dumb shit. Either it already exists, or Patton Oswalt is working on it right now. <laughs> so, our bonus content since we aren't doing Star Wars stuff, is now switching over to, for this book only, X-Men or Star Trek-related stuff. Yeah, the X-Men uh, wiki is boring. It's just called, like, X-Men.com slash fandom. Oh, yeah. It's not that it, but but uh, Star Trek is famously has memory alpha. So those are our two options. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I've I dipped my toe into memory alpha a little bit. They are way more organized yes. than the star wars people yeah, the star wars one is loose and loosey-goosey the uh the the star trek one it, it's hard to find crazy nonsense cause oh because they're just like this happened and then it gives you the reference episode yeah. and then this reference episode sometimes this is the case reference episode yeah whereas with the x-men stuff you can you you'll find yourself falling into ridiculous tangent holes oh the holes you fall down in the x-men wiki is just sort of like and then this person meant that and this happened you're like who the fuck is that what the what what is this what storyline are you talking about yeah so the problem we're we're gonna be running into a very different kind of of content for the bonus content fuel but don't worry it's gonna be the same old discussion stuff um basically the problem we're gonna run into is that uh Star Trek is more rigorously story-bibled, and so there isn't, like, Santa Claus and Mickey Mouse and shit like that to report on. Yeah. But we you never know. You might get an episode, an entire episode about how to make the drinks that they had at the Las Vegas Quarks Bar. Hell yeah. So the, it should be still a good time. And if you'd like to be a part of that good time, then go to patreon.com slash systemmastery. Yeah, support us at the $2 or more level. You unlock that, and 
any lower tier of bonus content as well. We put out so much stuff. On average, seven episodes of bonus content a month. It's a little excessive. We probably make too much. People have been talking to us about cutting back because apparently it sounds like we're dying. Uh, I mean, I am, but, yeah. you know, who isn't? Appar- apparently, we used to sound like young, vital people who enjoyed this, and now we sound angry. Uh, yeet me into the shadow realm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I don't know how to end these episodes. I'm, I'm the to- old knucklehead, and I'm the best there is at what I do. And what I do is shoot off into the sky. <laughs> I get to full parts. I had shoot off into the sky ready. Aww. This is punishment for the officer and a gentleman bit, isn't it? It is. <laughs>